Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, Sally Stevens, to the show. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. It's happy to be here. One of the things I love highlighting on our particular show is the music of the Disney theme parks, and you you played a major part in that. But before we get into that particularly, because you are a singer, initially you went from UCLA to working for the Danny Kaye Variety Show, for the Carol Burnett Show, and also, you know, background vocals for The Sound of Music. So, you know, you, you really you really dived in there right away, and you, and you made such an impact. So what was that experience like, kind of just really testing the waters of, of just singing initially and then being thrust upon all these amazing shows and films? Well, my goodness, you've really done your research, haven't you? <laughs> um, it was... It was lovely, Tammy. You know, the, the the music business was very, very different in those days. But um, yeah, I I um, I was work. I was going to UCLA when I got started in the music business, and I had a chance uh, to audition and go on the road with with Ray Conniff, and that went so well. And I I felt like I got so much good experience about music in the business rather than music in the academic world. Uh, that I decided to go on the long tour that came up with him in the fall of that year. So that's kind of when I left in my senior year at UCLA and got into the business. And I ended up doing some work in Las Vegas, some you know production work and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, The Sound of Music was one of the first films that I worked on. Well, actually, the very first film I worked on was How the West Was Won, and that was in 1961, I think. And uh, then the Danny Kaye show, I think, was on the air in 63, 64, 65, maybe, 64 and 63 mostly. And that was a wonderful experience because you you got not only got to work with Danny, who was a legend already by that time, but I got to know better the community of singers in L.A. And it's very much a, a community. And, um, you know, we don't have agents, generally speaking, the session singers, so you work for a, an arranger or a contractor or you stand next to somebody who enjoys singing with you and they might recommend you for the next job and it it kind of grows in that way and Judy Garland was doing her television series uh, variety shows at that time I did a few of those getting a chance to work with all these artists but never I guess one of those things about being a background vocalist is that not always are you recognized for your work. And, and you know, I'm I'm so glad that you have your own website too, which I, I will put in the show notes for our listeners to go to because you have music clips there that I can listen to. So it, it's really nice to actually hear some of these because when I was researching, I just thought, holy cow, Sally has done a lot and we haven't even scratched the surface yet. <laughs> 
That's very there. It's very sweet of you, and it's very true that the uh, you know I've, I've, I I and and many people like me have had long careers, but invisible for the most part, at least in terms of the public and what the public knows about what we do. My ex-husband passed away about a, a year ago, February, this last February, but he was, um, when we were married, he was, or I guess before we got married even, he was the director of music for the Disney theme parks, and he did all the opening music, not so much the permanent ride stuff, but the festivities, the the live music and the parades for the opening of Epcot. So we were there for the opening of the of the theme park, and it was very fun, very exciting to be there. Your main part in Epcot, especially with Spaceship Earth, is that you got to sing the lead song, Tomorrow's Child. So you said you, you got to be there for the opening day. Did they have the song presented in the parks that day that you could hear it yourself, or was it a couple days later or a couple months I later? Think that, I think that was a little bit later. Uh, as, as I recall, but that was um, the music for that was all recorded here in Los Angeles, and uh, I remember the first time I I really heard it all in, you know, in completion, with the kids' voices and everything was when I was when I went on the ride in, in those days at least. I'd, I it may be slightly different now because I think a lot of the solo singers are not necessarily readers, but in those days we we definitely had to be. And I don't think I saw that music ahead of time till I got to the session. Uh, they were they, we didn't do it all at the same time. I would have done the lead vocal, and I think the kids were at it afterwards. I hadn't uh, really thought about the evolution of those theme parks, and I know that things change, and you know the the focus of the world changes, so they have to change their their activities, and they get new sponsors and new uh, you know new takes on life and the world and it but I haven't been back there since uh oh my gosh since probably I would think in the 85 maybe would have, would have been the last time I'd been to the theme parks wow so I know there are just tons and tons of changes I probably would recognize the place yeah and I, I do miss hearing it in the parks I, I do wish they had it back but you never know <laughs> <laughs> that would be great for them to have it back at some point and and yeah. and also on on top of tomorrow's child which was released around 82 you got to work on Dick Tracy who framed Roger Rabbit and this is oh. all around the same time so working yeah. on those two huge projects, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I I would love to, particularly, well, Dick Tracy, um, the vocal contractor on that project was a dear lady named Jackie Ward. And so she worked more closely with the composer and the, you know, preparation for that. But on uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it was that was the first film that I got to work with Alan Silvestri on. And Alan has remained one of my... The, the absolute most favorite person in the business for me. He's a wonderful composer and a darling guy, uh, just a, a, a sweet, wonderful person that's fun to work with. And his music has been outstanding all these years. And um, uh, he wrote, the, he also scored uh, Forrest Gump. And at that time, that was one of the first, that was one of the earliest uh, projects, I think, that Alan did. He also did Back to the Future, probably, I think, before Roger Rabbit. I'm not sure. We didn't. I didn't work on that. You know, I started working on film score singing, as I mentioned, in 1961. And to have been a part of Sound of Music and uh, some of those wonderful, iconic projects is, has been quite a, a blessing. But, but I didn't really start contracting until about the early 80s. 
and once you start to contract in the in the business here in town, it gives you an added depth of attachment to the project. You know, you get to consult with the composer. The, the first film I did with John Williams, for instance, was a film called Amistad for uh, Spielberg. And it was a very emotional film. It was a painful subject. I think that may be why the film wasn't bigger than it was. But uh, I was recommended for that film because I had worked on another wonderful film called The Power of One with Hans Zimmer, which had a lot of authentic African music in it. And Amistad was about the the slave ship that came across and then went through a trial and they were able to go back to their country. Um, But... In that project, uh, for instance, John was looking for a particular quality in a solo voice that was going to do a couple of very emotional cues. And I gathered, uh, I met with him in his um, office on the lot, and we looked at those scenes on the old-fashioned movieola thing, you know, that you probably have never seen or imagined, but they don't use those anymore. Um, So I got to see the scene that he was trying to cast the voice for, and then I gathered a lot of demo tapes and things for him, and nothing was quite working from the people that, you know, that we looked at here in town. I happened to be in New York, so I even auditioned some people at Juilliard. And then someone had recommended uh, getting in touch with the San Francisco Opera, that they had some new people. And this one lovely woman, uh, Pamela Dillard, was um, on the road doing concerts, classical concerts, and I spoke with her when she was in Birmingham, Alabama. And just talking to her on the phone, I just knew this was the right person, and John loved her. She sent an audition tape, and he loved her voice, and she does these two very emotional cues in the film. You know, if if you're working as a singer... It's a great thrill to be there. You walk onto the scoring stage and you see the orchestra, or you did in those days. Now they do more tracking, but you walk onto the scoring stage and they put the music in front of you and you sing this gorgeous stuff that the composer has created and and you go home. And it's um, it's just not quite as deep an attachment as when you get to be a part of the discussion ahead of time and figure out what the composer is really looking for and help him find it. With these newer films, you know, John Carter, Finding Dory, and Rogue One that you've worked on, is there anyone in particular that you've been hearing a lot more about lately? Have people been complimenting on Rogue One a little bit more than Finding Dory or vice versa? Rogue One, that's the Michael Cicchino score, the Rogue One? Yes, I think so, yes. Yes, yes. And I've only contracted one score for Michael. It was uh, quite a while back, but... uh, Bobby Page does his work, and I did sing on that. It was a big choir and lovely to be a part of. Um, I haven't seen the film yet. There was a screening of it that the that the choir was invited to, which was so sweet of Michael and the the, the studio. But I was out of town at the time. Um, Finding Dory was for Tom Newman, and that's always I, I've done several things with him, and I love his work. This was a, a small group of singers. And we had to create a very big choral sound, but he wanted the, the the sort of the sound of individual voices. He wanted a little charactery, 
And so we did a lot of uh, overdubbing on that one. We did it on the MGM scoring stage, which is now the Sony scoring stage. And oh, you yeah. got to be a part of the 84th Academy Awards in 2012. And that's like one of my favorite things to listen for is the <laughs> choir and also the orchestra. So wh- what is it like to collaborate and work on a live event like this? Well, I tell you, I, I started doing the Academy Awards in about 1985 or 86. I think I was choral director, accredited as choral director for 20 or 21 of those broadcasts, at about 20, I think. And... um Sometimes, occasionally, we've pre-recorded material. That that's happened more in the last few years. But uh, for a long time, when Bill Conti was the uh, musical director for the show, he had the the choir in the pit with the orchestra most of the time, or on the premises during live during the show. And he always wrote little lead-ins and lead-outs so that we would have a piece of music in front of us on the stand that had five little musical themes from each of the films that had been nominated, whatever it, whatever the award was, whether it was director or film or star. Or whatever. And when the winner was announced, you picked the one cue out of those five that were sitting in front of you, and that's the one that the orchestra played and you sang. So that was, I loved that process. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> I think that was Bill's concept, and it was a, a fun idea. You know, we haven't even scratched the surface of everything that Sally has done because, you know, there's been James and the Giant Peach, The Little Mermaid, other films, Hook. I want to encourage our listeners to go to Sally's website so you can look up more information about Sally, other projects that she has worked on. And before we end, I have three Disney-themed questions I ask each guest. I call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I think Bambi, but I but it broke my heart. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Maybe it's a little mermaid and she would give me swimming lessons. And finally, our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Oh, my gosh. Uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, maybe? Could you sing a little bit for us? When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires will come to you.